Wow. Happy holidays, everyone, and almost happy new year. This has been quite an epic 2020 in so many ways. And just want to really um, send lots of love to everyone in this new year and getting us aligned. We actually just came off of our mastermind session and really setting our intentions and aligning our action steps for 2021. So Kevin, you were part of that and Christiane and some other seminal voices. And I'm very excited, Larry, to have you on for the first time, introduce you to our new earth family around the world. Um, this has been an ongoing conversation of what's really been rolling out with the pandemic that we started when it started. <laughs> so we've been talking about it for some time and we've been weaving in some of the most powerful, potent and profound voices on the planet. And I, you know, obviously you have a long time relationship with Christiane. You guys go back in history and you and Kevin have been having some conversations, but I came across one of your conversations. Yeah. One of the many with Lori Ladd uh, last week. And I loved the way that you were asking some questions and I put this out there as the most relevant conversation of our time. This is part two. Um, I think we all can agree and know what that conversation is without saying the V word. Um, but we will talk about it and dive into um, what is really going on at, with this this vaccine that is um, rolling out around the world. There's stories that have um, been coming out, you know, with people that are lining up and the results of that. But I think the angle that you took um, in that conversation of asking the questions, I would love for you to share that um, and start with that, Larry, and give people a little bit of idea and background. I'm not doing justice to introduce you because we're very casual and I'm like, oh, yeah, everybody, I'm assuming everybody knows who you are. So if you could just let people know your history, your background, and then we'll dive into those questions. Sure. Well, first, I want to say uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to meet the New Earth community. And it's a pleasure to be with my friends and colleagues, uh, Christiane Northrup and Kevin Jenkins. Um, I'm a, a licensed pediatrician in New York State. I finished medical school at NYU School of Medicine in 1987 and did a three-year pediatric residency at Mount Sinai in New York, and then a year fellowship in outpatient pediatrics uh, at NYU Bellevue uh, one year after finishing my residency. Um, for the last 30 years, I've spent about 10 years working in pediatric emergency rooms. I ran a pediatric ICU. I worked in a neonatal intensive care unit, inpatient pediatrics, more ER, uh, delivery room medicine, nursery medicine, and outpatient clinic, and covering a private practice. And then for the last 20 years, I've been in my own holistic integrative pediatric practice in New York. And um, whenever, I, whenever I have conversations like this, um, I always say somewhere in the conversation that if anyone wants to blame anyone for why I say what I say, I would blame my medical school education because they taught me that it was my duty to first do no harm and to critically think and to ask questions and to look at situations, make observations, ask questions about them, and then come to conclusions that were unbiased so that you can then ask more questions, and that would be following through in the scientific method. What I have seen predominantly in the last 20 years is a lessening of the, uh, the application of the scientific method and more in the dogma and devoteeism, as I call it, uh, of the authority's rule and the authority's word. And so as a physician, it's my duty 
to raise questions. And so when we talk about the COVID-19 vaccine as we know it today, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, the first question that has to be asked is, are these really vaccines? Because we've never utilized this technology before in any of the previous vaccines we've used in the who knows 100 years or more that vaccinations have been applied. So we, we have to ask, is this technology, which has the potential to, genet- to genetically alter our own chromosomes, our own genes, is this a vaccine or is there something more uh, going on? Um, we know that the vaccine has the potential to enter into the cells in a way that no other vaccine has been brought into the cells. So does it get into the nucleus to engage with our genes or even alter our genes? Um, What are the side effects if that does happen? What are the short-term side effects? What are the long-term side effects? Um, Is this vaccine going to stop the transmission of the SARS-CoV-2 virus? Is it a vaccine, again, but if it is working as a vaccine, is it going to stop the transmissibility of the virus from one person to the next? We don't have enough data. We don't have a long enough study period for us to even know that. Will it stop death? Well, we don't know that because we don't have a long enough study period. Will it prevent hospitalizations or severe complications from SARS-CoV-2 virus infection? Again, we don't have enough data because we don't have a long enough study period. Will it stop people from getting really sick? We don't know. We don't have enough data. And so most vaccines are studied seven, eight, nine, ten, or even up to 12 years before they're brought to market. And so the two SARS-CoV-2 viruses vaccines that we have, the Moderna and the Pfizer, were not licensed by the FDA. And because they're not licensed by the FDA, they cannot be mandated by the government. But what are the side effects? Do do the vaccines create any worse side effects than what the disease itself would bring you if you caught the disease? And for an illness that seems to have a greater than 99% recovery rate, we have to make sure that we have greater than a 99% non-side effect outcome from the vaccine. And so far in the trials and in the implementation of either of these vaccines into the population, we're seeing that there's close to a 3% severe side effect from the vaccine and perhaps even greater death from the vaccine than from the illness itself. And so when when I speak to people, I, I ask, um, are you so devoted to the subject of vaccine that you're ready to automatically believe that this is the coming of the Messiah, that this is the thing that's going to save our lives, that's going to make life better, that's going to bring us back to normal? Or are you willing to understand the possibility that this is being rushed through without proper science, that there are actually chemicals in it that can cause death anaphylaxis, and autoimmunity, that there's actually a similarity to the spike protein that's in the vaccine to another protein that's in the male and female genitalia that has the potential to increase infertility, 
in both men and women and the potential to create miscarriages in women who are pregnant. And so with all of that science looming, the critical questions must be, wait a second, is the outcome of the vaccine and all of its adverse events potentially greater than if somebody were to get the disease naturally? Now, here's the kicker, is that the only way for an emergency use authorization to be implemented regarding this vaccine is if medicine can prove that there is no other medical intervention that would improve the health, prevent the death, and prevent the hospitalization of people who came down with this illness. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of doctors around the world who have successfully treated patients with the symptoms of SARS-CoV-2 virus infection, and they've prevented their death and they've prevented their hospitalizations. In every attempt to publicize that information and those experiences have been censored. And so the next question should be, well, why would that be censored? If you're trying to heal people, first do no harm, the Hippocratic Oath, and you're trying to prevent severe illness and death, then why would the media censor information that's actually showing that people can recover and not die from this illness? And so the only conclusion that I can see coming from that is that the powers that be want to make sure that there's no evidence of prevention, there's no evidence of cure, and there's no evidence of reduction of death from any medical intervention so that a vaccine, which has not been proven to stop transmission, not been proven to stop death, not been proven to stop severe disease, not been proven to prevent hospitalizations, could be given to the population that so far is showing greater side effects and damage than the actual illness itself. And I'll say to the devotees, are you willing to undevote yourself to a paradigm that you believe is going to save your life? And my experience says that if you're bound to the authority in hopes that the authority will save you, protect you, take care of you, and look after you, and not open to the possibility that the same authority that you have an experience with in your inner child and in your young life abused you, neglected you, and traumatized you, then you're going to turn away. You're going to turn away from these authorities because you cannot accept the possibility that they are doing something to harm you. And so we really have to look into the psychology of our inner workings, of our trauma bonds, of our willingness to question authority and not feel like we have to cower when we ask an authority a really important question. And so when I work in my office and patients say to me, can I ask you a question? I say, please. Now, when I was a younger doctor and younger meaning godlike, because that's what I was given, I would challenge people. No, you can't ask me a question. I, I, I gave you the answer. Don't ask me anything anymore. And the reason I'm so short is because over the years, right. my knees have been knocked down 
to humiliate me into a different place of my heart that says, no, please ask me. And my favorite comment came from a grandmother 30, almost 20 years ago, when she said to me, just remember, you're always practicing. And I went like this and said, oh, okay, okay, I get it. And the fact of the matter is that we have to be asking questions about this vaccine because this vaccine appears to be much more dangerous because it has no track record in its use as a vaccine. And any attempt to utilize this style of vaccine, whether it be the RSV vaccine in the past or a coronavirus vaccine using this technology, has led to great health damage of animals and great death of the animals. And we're turning away. We're turning away at this connection, at this understanding of what this vaccine has done in animal trials and what it's now doing in humans that their media is not reporting and that people are unable to be, uh, to absorb the truth that this vaccine is much, much, much uh, uh, in uh, greater danger than the actual illness itself. Well, I mean, you asked so many incredible questions, Larry. And the thing is, you're saying that I think the most important question is, is this a vaccine, you know, and and why is it being labeled as such? I mean, because there's a different technology. And I think that that's really one of the most important questions and and you laid out and I know there's a lot of things that would sort of define this but in your in your to answer your own questions why would they be presenting this as a vaccine and leveraging this idolization of the medical you know um, practitioners in creating this and also blocking censoring those those doctors that have humbled themselves or have reached a point where they, they understand that the truth is more, more important than participating in the game. So what do you think is really going on now? I know that's a very loaded question, but I mean, from your perspective, being a doctor, seeing the history of vaccinations, but this coming along and being something like humanity has never seen before. What do you think is really at play? And I want to dive into the other piece and bring Kevin into the conversation around. You mentioned fertility and obviously Christiane being, you know, having her history in obstetrics. So what are we talking about with the fertility issues, possible miscarriages? I mean, is this a eugenics program? Is this some kind of population control? That's really where I want to explore in this conversation. Well, I, I think you answered my question in your own words. Um, I have been on record as saying that I truly believe that this vaccine is a murder weapon. And um, until somebody can show me that this isn't, or that they can prove to me that they wouldn't do anything to harm us, I'm going to rest on the idea that this is a murder weapon. And that does include infertility that does include direct murder, that does include maim, that does include autoimmune disease. Um, you know, people, people want to believe that this vaccine is going to give us an antibody that's going to neutralize the SARS-CoV-2 virus, that's going to prevent us from getting the illness, when none of that has been proven in any of the clinical trials in such a short period of time, and that there are chemicals in there 
that could potentially create anaphylaxis, and they know it, and that there are chemicals in there that could bring material into the nucleus of our cells, which is where our genes are, which could potentially alter our genetics and our genetics in our current life and in genetics in our offspring if we're able to get uh, pregnant. And then it can go into the brain. I mean, it has nanoparticle materials that can go into the brain. And, and the cognitive dissonance is, well, they would not do that to us. Why would, why, would they, why would they put that material in there? I mean, haven't they proven that this vaccine is, is a vaccine, that it is going to stop the, the transmission of the virus? Anything you've seen, we don't know if the antibody is going to work. We don't know if the antibody is going to neutralize the illness. We don't, all we know is that it will potentially reduce some of the symptoms of SARS-CoV-2 infection. Well, that's what thousands of doctors have been saying around the world in treating patients. We've reduced symptoms within 20, 40, 48 hours with vitamin D, with vitamin C, with quercetin, with zinc, with uh, inhaled um, hydrogen peroxide, with ozone, with hyperbaric oxygen, with ivermectin, with hydroxychloroquine, with uh, iodine. I mean, I could keep going. I mean, with all of these treatments, we've been able to reduce the symptoms and prevent hospitalizations and death. And yet you don't have a vaccine that can do any of that. And even the experts who are promoting the vaccine have said it doesn't prevent. You still need to wear a mask and you still need to stay away from people. (laughs) Right. It, it, It doesn't prevent transmission. It doesn't prevent death. It doesn't prevent hospitalization. And it doesn't prevent severe illness from SARS-CoV-2 virus infection. So then, up anyway. So then what does it do besides maim and kill? And again, this is where my bigger concern is not the facts. My bigger concern is the turning away mm. of possibility that the authorities, who we all have some experience of authorities abusing us, neglecting us, or traumatizing us. We're doing it again. We're allowing the recapitulation of the authority, traumatizing, neglecting us, and abusing us because we're turning away from the possibility that they could be harming us. Because to admit that this really could be happening would probably get people to be rolling in the streets or screaming bloody murder. And I'm hoping both happen because um, people are already dying from the vaccine. They're already being maimed from the vaccine. Yes. And the, the problem is that, is that our nervous systems are, are resistant to going to a place that would get us to really look at some very dark stuff. And our hope is that one at a time, one at a time could wake up and say, oh, my God, are these facts really facts? Are these really true? Is this, is this being pushed through for another agenda? Mm. Powerful questions. I'm going to pass that question over to you, Kevin Jenkins, part of Urban Global Health. And um, I would love for you to share a little bit about the mission and vision behind Urban Global Health. I know you guys have been in conversation, all all of you. And um, these are some of the questions that your institution is looking to, to answer and also to rolling out 
programs to wake people up. I mean, in the way that Larry's describing, which is what needs to happen for humanity, right? We're at that crossroads. Well, I just want to say, Larry, thank you for that master class. We're just going to take that clip right there and show that to everybody on the planet because you summed it up so eloquently. I got to tell you, I'm just sitting here. You know, I've I've done a lot of these shows, and I got to tell you, I've spoken to a lot of people, and you and Christiane always nail it, but that was a master class. I think we need to take that clip out and show it to the world. I mean, everybody, you know, thank you. I thank all of you for allowing me to share this time again with you. You know, at the Urban Health Alliance, you know, we're on the ground. You know, we're the next phase of the battle. You know, we're educating and advocating and, and definitely dealing with the public policies, negative or positive, that might affect our lives forever. It's something that Dr. Tenpenny talked about today. She said we have 30 days. And that resonated with me this morning on the call because she's right. We have 30 days. You know, we got 50 million new people that are following us, talking about what we're doing, seeing the value in the information, sharing information. But these 30 days are going to be the most critical 30 days of my life. And I think everybody that's walking this planet, because what's getting ready to happen to us is that the the government now is in in a position that they control how we live, how we breathe, how we engage, how we spend our money how we travel, and what they want to do is offset all of that to the third party. I'm looking at the third party now, you know, the corporations, the housing authorities, you know, the public um, organizations, the private organizations that are going to be used to trap us into perpetual poverty. You know, the vaccine aspect of it, I think Larry covered, but I want to give somebody the real hard understanding of what's getting ready to happen. So you're going to lose your job because you don't want to take that experimental vaccine that Larry just laid out. You're going to lose your life because if you don't take that vaccine, they're going to take your public assistance away from you. They're going to take your insurance away from you. They're going to take your ability to get your license away from you. Then what they're going to do, which is even more insidious, they're going to commoditize that that failure in your life. They're going to commoditize your child. They're going to commoditize where you live. They're going to be trading you like cattle. And your, your, your leaders, your elected leaders who we, we elected, who we financed, who we put in government to represent us, which they have dropped the ball on that, they're going to be using them to apply that extreme pressure to take your breath away from you. I don't think people understand, you know, what Larry just laid out, but I want to take what Larry just said and give it a starker reality. Life as you know it is going to be over. They're doing it to your children. They're doing it to your husband on his job. They're doing it to you on your job. You can't get on a plane. You can't get on a train. You won't even be allowed to walk out of your house because their order is to wipe out humanity. Their order is to translate our humanity into something that brings them true value. And that is what commoditize our bodies for that. And I think, you know, when I hear Larry lay that out, Christine lay it out, you know, I, I know people will say, oh, that's just so much. My God, how how am I going to deal with that? Well, I'm saying to you, you better deal with it. I'm saying to you, you better turn off your TV. You better listen to Larry. You better listen to Christiane. Because guess what? You have never seen this kind of slavery in your life. And when I say modern day slavery, this is modern day. Big tech is engaged in this. 
The finance industry is engaged in this. Your government is engaged in this. The wealthiest people in the world have now said your life has no value unless they place value on it. Now, that is the reality. That is that is the when you breathe that just think about just breathe in that for a minute. Suck that into your consciousness for a second. That a group of people, right, have said that they can block the sun, they can translate how you walk as a human being, they can translate how you communicate with your mother and father. They are now going to they do talk about transhumanism. That is even way beyond that. And I don't think people really get it, Imani. I think people I think it's it. I think it's what Larry said. It's, it's a lot to take in. But, I mean, but here's the deal. Really, uh, overwhelming, right? And so that part of us that sort of goes into that place of um, not wanting to to deal with it. It's like a, a progression, right, of how we can absorb information. And we've been putting a lot out there. And I think people have to. They reach points where they're able to receive. And and right now there is. And more and more people are listening and tuning in. But it really, it's what you said. What are we gonna? What action are we gonna take in the next thirty days as, as a human species around the world? Um, how are we gonna align and unify our voice um, to be sovereign, to recognize that we do have it, it is on our free will. That is well, what we have as humans. But I want to say something to that because you know I, I like to say that I'm a an historian. Right. So, you know, when people say this is overwhelming for them, they, they they can't figure this out. Well, just look back 50 years. Just look back 100 years. Just look back, you know, at the things that have happened in my lifetime and your lifetime and all of our lifetime. It's right there in front of you. But it's on steroids now. So when people say, I understand it might be overwhelming, but guess what? That's the same thing happening on the, in, in the, uh, World War One, World War II, Nazism. Same thing happened with slavery. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on about this. So there's a, there's a template there for you. But this is on steroids. This is different. This is this is life changing, you know. This is not about just having a war and trying to figure this out. This is a war about life. It's about a war about life. And that is the thing that I am most interested in at the Urban Global Health Alliance, pushing that narrative out there. Because I'm not going to do what Larry and Christiane does. I'm just going to give you the stark reality of what's getting ready to happen to you. Because as a black American male, I understand what it means to be censored. I understand what it means to be controlled. I understand what it means to be cut out of society. I understand what it means to be trapped in perpetual poverty. Now, I might not have lived that experience in its totality, but guess what? People in rural America, people in black America, people in Hispanic America, people in Latin Asian America, we understand that. Those are the people that I'm trying to appeal to. And that's the story. That's the new story for the next 30 days. If you don't get out of your house, if you don't take your head out of fear, you don't find your God courage, it will be over. That's tomorrow. And that's where we are at Urban Global Health Alliance. So, you know, we're retail, we're single focused. You know, we're right now going around the country, bringing doctors like Dr. Lawrence and Dr. Christiane to the table. You know, educating black communities and white communities on how to work together, work together against this tyranny, because that is the day. This is the moment. This is our David and Goliath moment. Absolutely. This See, is it. the moment. It's definitely on on steroids in there. And it's we're starting to see like what you said, Larry, people are, are having effects and then we're, we're not even seeing long term what's going to happen. Christiane, you, you've been 
tracking all of this and, you know, you've been speaking out about it. We have a lot of people tuning in right now. I think the conversation where Kevin was going with um, looking at this is this is not something new. It's just amplified. And we're looking at this. But from the perspective of, you know, fertility and what what's really rolling out, what's your perspective on what's really going on? This has been going on for, um, you know, in my particular holistic medicine focus, I, um, as, as a member of the American Holistic Medical Association and a president of that organization where Larry and I met, uh, I looked back at all the literature about the uh, John D. Rockefeller and the Flexner Report. You know, it was like, why is it that every time you mention something natural, like vitamin C or vitamin D, you're considered a quack? Well, then I found out that this was a very systematic um, downplaying of everything natural. Why? Because you can't patent a naturally occurring substance. John D. Rockefeller was involved with Standard Oil, and the Flexner Report invented the word quack just like the CIA invented the word conspiracy theory, just like Big Pharma invented the term anti-vaxxer. All right. So the witch hunt is on. And so the Flexner report paid doctors huge amounts of money and the press to go after all of the medical schools that were involved with natural remedies, homeopathic medicine, naturopathic medicine. Um, I don't know how much traditional Chinese medicine they had at the turn of the century, but systematically there is this way in which these robber barons then became through philanthropy, these um, bastions of good Rockefeller center in New York city. I was just reading an article, Musical Cult Control, the Rockefeller Foundation's War on Consciousness through the imposition of A440 Hertz, standard tuning of instruments. Uh, A440 does something to the nervous system where it's not quite right. It's not in alignment with nature. It's just a little off. You don't quite know why it's off, but it's just a little off. Then I have a nephew who is a sound engineer, and he told me that television has a flitter frequency when you're looking at a screen that hypnotizes you. Now, if we go back to Good Friday, when the documentary Out of Shadows official first hit the airwaves and it's the stunt man, like a really amazing Hollywood career. He was the stunt man on Batman and all that. And he, he injured his pelvis and he goes to a woman to help him, a physical therapist. And she says to him, can I pray for you? You have a lot of darkness in you. And then we proceed to see this incredible documentary about the globalist control of the media um, with Operation Mockingbird, 
So no matter what is said, it's said the same in Omaha, Nebraska, as it is in Hartford, Connecticut. And then you realize, and it's Kevin, what you said, that the the world wars were created by these same globalists, the Federal Reserve, the creature from Jekyll Island, how these uh, robber barons went to Jekyll Island under cover of darkness using fake names on a train and created the Federal Reserve. And there's all this stuff. It's like, here's how I see it. This is my surgical language. We've had this abscess that's sort of there and it's sort of chronic and, you know, but now we finally have incised the abscess. And when you incise an abscess as a surgeon, the pus comes out, but that's not enough. You then have to go in and you got to break up the loculations. You got to see where did it begin because abscesses heal from the inside out. And so you go in and you're breaking up the loculations with your fingers, but then you realize, oh God, it's way deeper than that. Okay, in this abscess, you're up to your freaking elbow before you get to the bottom of it. And that is what we're dealing with. And this is, the pus is out there everywhere. Mm. And I believe that there's a soul contract that each of us has about when you wake up, or if you wake up, and as a uh, you know a sort of former rescue addict, really trying so hard to um, help people through the industrial birth process. I mean, when I started out in obstetrics at St. Margaret's Hospital for Women, they were still using scopolamine and secanol to twilight sleep mm-hmm. to put all these laboring women into uh, talk about a hypnotic trance, then deliver the baby, they'd wake up three days later, and all of the oxytocin, prolactin, Cupid's arrow that's supposed to go into the nuclear family, the father, the baby, the mother, no, that would go right to the frickin' obstetrician. Women back then would tell you about dreams they had of waltzing with their obstetrician. Talk about co-opting the very fabric of the nuclear family. And I was there on the front lines when we started to allow family into the delivery room. I was there when they invented the home pregnancy test. I was there when fetal monitoring came in and the C-section rate went up to 25% overnight. To this day, to this day, everybody, there is not one single study in the OBGYN literature that proves that fetal monitoring does anything more than increase the C-section rate. And yet it is standard. And when you walk in to any labor and delivery floor, and you walk into a room and you ask the woman how she's doing to a person. They look at the fricking screen. They don't close their eyes to find out how they're doing. Everybody looks at the monitor, even if the thing is working. The doctor looks at the monitor. That is how we have co-opted our own sovereignty. We've given the power to the doctor, to the system, to the vaccines. And Larry and I re-met in Hartford, Connecticut, 
when I was out there, you know, with my red coat doing a little rally here and finding, oh my God, there are other people like me, thank God. And there were people of color and I thought, oh, thank God. Cause you know, I knew, I knew Kevin, like I knew that this was key at this particular moment that we had to bring everybody together. And there were some really eloquent people there. And Larry do happen in Hartford, Connecticut, Christian, but not, you know, we try. (laughs) I know. And then Larry was inside and the two of us were seeing if we could give each other a hug, you know, but he was still, you know, they keep you waiting for hours. And and I've testified uh, for the vaccine mandates in my state twice. We recently did a flu one. And it's interesting what you say, Larry, when you testify before this body of clowns really but when you do it makes it it at least made me nervous because that is the abuse of the power structures it brought up for me um what happened when women's bodies women's wisdom first came out in 1994 i began to have dreams that i was uh that someone was in the house with a gun and i would be shot because I couldn't go when I was on the cover of East West Journal in the 80s. I could go to the food co-op and buy every single issue so that no doctor in my town would see that I was interested in nutrition. Nutrition. That was considered not okay. The head of my program at Tufts, I gave him a copy of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, and he says to me, whatever happened to you, you used to be one of our best residents. So do you see the uh, what it takes to break out of this dream spell where up is down and down is up? So now I realize all the universities where we have been told you absolutely must go to be respect- respectable, right? The Ivy League colleges, Oxford, Cambridge, they are educating you out of all of your life-giving wisdom, all of your true fertility, all of your connection with nature. And I've watched it in the delivery room. And Larry, we would have made a great pair. I mean, when I was delivering, I would try to keep that baby connected to the umbilical cord and on the mother's abdomen as long as I could so that the frickin' pediatricians wouldn't start abusing the child with the damn snaking down the, the thing to suction. You know, it was like, let's see if we can keep the abuse at bay as long as I possibly can. I mean, I had a colleague circumcise the baby in the delivery room. So all that to say, oh the cult programming, the cult programming is very, very deep. And I do believe that many people are not going to wake up. They are not going to wake up and we have to let them go. We have to let them go because there is no waking someone up when they're in that place. It just, it just can't happen. But what we can do is we can acknowledge our divine power as sovereign beings. We have way more power than these dark controllers, way more. They don't, they're dying off. They don't have power, which is why they're trying to create a race of cyborgs that they can milk for our creativity, for our emotions, for our passion. I mean, we have the patents putting uh, 
you know, connecting us to cryptocurrency through the nanoparticles. We have that uh, enzyme called luciferase, luciferase. That's in, I mean, it's hard to believe. It's so bad, you just cannot believe it. But Larry- well, that's how it works though, right, Chris? I mean, it's so bad that it seems so um, unbelievable that we do think it's unbelievable. And the programming starts at birth. Like you said, I, I could listen to you talk about birth all day long because I'm such a birth junkie. But, you know, my mother was a twilight sweet. I was a twilight sleep baby. And I've been passionate about retracing this timeline with as a mother of, of many to understand how did we get here and what kind of world did I bring? my children in and it goes back to that moment of birth and the third party um you know putting that out for for women giving birth to that third party of expecting someone else outside of themselves and there's so much power packed in what you just said and and that's a lot to sort of go through but i think if we can look at our own personal experiences and come back to the self that we can trace that pathway back to sovereignty and it is a soul it's a soul contract that we've come here and many, many people are waking up and, and things are getting activated. There's, there's like glimmers of, of knowledge somehow in their cells that they're saying something isn't right. And I think that there's something with the masses of understanding that we are um, literally the being fed off of. I mean, you know, that they're, we've, they've created a system where they are just as dependent on us yeah. and that they're, they are in a state of desperation. I mean, the, if you look at what's happening, there is a frantic, desperate state. The decision is on us if we're going to participate in that or if we're going to take back our sovereignty and say, no, I do not consent. And that's the invitation in the conversation of presenting the information and helping people remember, put themselves back together to break that spell, to break the dream spell that we, you know, Sasha talks about, that we talk about here at New Earth. And that's really up to us. So I think if we we uh, trace that pathway back, Larry, I mean, I'm sure that you got a lot of, you know, from what Christiane just said and probably some PTSD um, memory for you. I mean, but, but this, you know, how, how would you say that someone other than having the soul contract and something just waking them up could get out of this hypnotic state? Is there anything that you've seen with people that you're, your patients that works to really shift them to a new awakening? Well, first, first, I want to say that um, most people who I know who are, quote unquote, anti-vax are not anti-vax. They're ex-vax. Yeah. And what that means is that Mm -hmm. they were asleep in their own eyes. Yeah. They were asleep and they trusted the authority and they handed over their children or their relatives to the authorities. And they said, the authority said to them, this is safe. Don't worry about it. And the parents then experienced uh, naming uh, neurological problems, seizures, autoimmune problems, death and destruction. And they became awake because they were asleep. And so those people are not anti-vax, they're ex-vax. They actually had the experience. And then when they found out that they were being given a product, that the companies who made the products were absolutely immune to any liability, it fueled more of their fire. And that's the same with the COVID-19 vaccine, is that that the manufacturers are free from any liability 
should anything bad happen to you or your loved ones. I don't know why people would sign up for a project like that. But the, the thing is that I found over the years is that, is that when you have someone who's so strong in his or her certainty that vaccines are safe and that vaccines are effective, and you bring someone else who is so certain in his or her position that vaccines are not safe and not effective, you are literally bringing two North Poles of magnets together. And we know what happens when you try to bring the North Pole of a magnet and a North Pole of a magnet together. You, you repel. And so what I try to do, and again, is, is to raise doubt, is to undo some of the certainty is to just use the Socratic method. Are you sure about that? Where did you get that information from? Um, have you looked at this? Are you willing to look at this? Have you, where did you, where did where, what, let's talk this through. Let's think this through. It, you know, how is it that, how is it that this vaccine is going to stop the transmission of the germ? Have any vaccines ever really been shown to stop the transmission of the germ? Oh, yes, of course. Really? Show me a study that actually demonstrates that. Right? So it's really appealing from the heart. Mm. I like to call it South Poling. If you want to refer <laughs> I love it. You know? Um, where, where you actually come from a place of real love and compassion rather than from a place of certainty and might. Because, you know, we have a system that is broken because the authority said, do as I say. And the person had no knowledge, him or herself, and just su submitted. Then you have another side of that same coin that says, don't do that. And the person submits, but takes no responsibility for his or her own actions. And so now the, the new paradigm, I believe, is one in which we offer people their own power back, where we recreate the opportunity for sovereignty. And we allow people to really work through their own knowing. Because there are, there are, to me, there are only three ways to know something. You either intuit it, your intuition, you explore it, you examine it, you research it, you experience it, you experiment it, you go through the trial and errors, and you come to know because life brought you that knowledge. And number three is that you know it because somebody told it to you. And we are moving out of number three as the sole way of knowing things. And we are re-engaging and returning to our intuition and into our abilities to come to know through our own experience. So people who are anti-vax are anti-vax because they're ex-vaxxers. They listened through number three and they realized that number one and number two were not operating. And so the experience of the damage or the death of their children or their loved ones brought them back online to not just listening to an outside message, mm. but from to listening to an inside message and a life experience message. And so what, what I would offer people is hear the information, listen to it, 
and then engage in one and two. Engage in your intuition. Engage in your own process of research, examination, thinking it through, weighing both sides, being able to be wrong, being able not to know, being uncertain, observe, work it through, and really come to the knowledge yourself. And if anybody's paying attention, they will see that the powers that be have basically, and Christiane basically summarized this so well, the powers that be have eliminated one and two from our existence. And we are at a crossroads because consciousness can no longer subsist on just listening to what the authority says. We have to reconnect to our intuition and into our knowledge through experience, experimentation, observation, trial and error, uncertainty, examination, unknown, and aha, wow. Now I understand because I did it myself. Love the way you break that down, Larry. That's what, um, you know, I call my, my birth children were born at home and I, you know, homeschooled them and raised them. My intention was with instincts intact. I think that that's one of the things that we have lost track of in this industrial age in this last century. Kevin, getting to the top of the hour, but how do we translate this into the communities, the urban communities around the globe? That's part of the mission of what you're trying to do. Taking that little gem that, that Larry just rolled out, how do we wake people up to that, that first level of remembering? Well, I mean, I hate to talk after Larry. He just shows so much love. You know, right? I know. So much love. I'm like, wow. I'm like, you know what? I know. I, you know, I'm sitting here saying to myself, he just summed it up. But, you know, it's very interesting, this whole war. And I like to use the word war and put it in context between the conscious and unconscious. And I think, you know, Christiane and Lawrence have actually outlined what that looks like and what that feels like. But I, I see, I see myself in this uh, in this place in my life. I never, you know, I thought I had moved past my warrior stages of my existence. You know, I wanted to like be the, you know, maybe not Yoda, be Obi Wan Kenobi a little bit. You know, talk to the masses of young men and women out here and saying, hey, this is your challenge. This is your time. This is what I think we need to be working on together to build a better society, build a better family, build a better community. One of the things that's happening in the black community and other communities uh, uh, that are trapped in this cycle of, you know, this cycle of fear and death and perpetual poverty is the fact that they don't have a lot of time to really explore this whole narrative of loving each other and embracing each other because there's a constant battle every day in their lives. You know, when they get up in the morning, there's something drastic happening if it's about their utilities, if it's about you know, where their kid goes to school, if it's about how they buy healthy food and how they try to live a decent life and a spiritual life. But one of the things that's been taken away from them in the last couple of months is the fact that they don't have a place to worship. They don't have a place to go to to seek God's face, to seek the answer. You know, they've turned the church into a Zoom classroom to talk about God and to, to monetize that relationship between the pastor and between, the, 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 the I guess, the congregant. And that, that's the thing that's happening in these communities now. So I've kind of taken a different approach. I'm saying, okay, move past your fear, find your God courage, 
right? But guess what? You have to finally stand up for yourself. You know, never mind what you hear on TV. Never mind what you hear all of these other people saying. You're going to have to stand up for yourself. This is the moment in your life that you're going to have to stand up for yourself. The second part of that for me is that I almost have to identify the enemy within. The enemy within. We have enemies in our communities that look like us, that sound, you know, maybe not sound like us, but look like us that are now wholesaling their fear for their own personal gain. Yeah. Those are reality. That's, that's a reality. So for me, I have to go out and say, here are the people that are selling you garbage as hope. Here are the people that are selling you death. Here are the people that are trapping you in perpetual poverty. Here are the people that are using as a proxy for their own wealth and their own success. But then on the flip side, say, here's another window for you. Here's another opportunity for you to restore greatness to your community, restore greatness to your family, restore greatness to the black man, restore but we knew all along that we are responsible for our existence. Not you, Imani, not Christiane, not Lawrence. We are. And that's all over this country. So us having this conversation allows me to be able to build out a bigger narrative so people can understand that reality that these people live through every day. So when I'm talking to Ms. Johnson, you know, she's walking down the street with a mask and I'm saying, Ms. Johnson, you can't breathe. You can't walk. I said, well, why are you wearing the mask? We see, because she said, they told me so. Mm-hmm. Now, who's the they? The they is not Lawrence and Christiane. It's somebody that looks like them. When the young parent is trapped in the house with their child, trying to educate their child under this auspices of distant learning, knowing that this child is dying every day, and I say, why are you doing it? Because I have nobody to fight for me, to push back for me, to, try, to help me to fight them. Mm-hmm. When you have the young man right now that's never had a job, that will be in slavery at a level that he might not ever understand. Never mind me talking about Malcolm X and health and how to live. I mean, think about the reality that these people live in. So at Urban Global Health, I try to live here, but I come down here. And I try to say, listen, this is what's going to happen. So think about it. The black community has always been under assault, right? So they just think this is normal, that this is just going to pass. Like, look, guys, tomorrow morning I get up. That's key, Kevin. That's, that's really key to differentiate that. That's well, I'll take the vaccine tomorrow and just life will be fine. But now, see, God is always in the midst, right? God is so superior that people are now listening to Imani and Christiane and Lawrence. They never heard of them before. They're not even listening to me, and I never said much. <laughs> you know? But now you have a lot to say. Well, yeah, because I'm fighting for my grandchildren's survival. Yeah. yeah. I'm fighting, you know, my, my mother and father told me, like, look, when you see evil, identify it. But the challenge for me is to say that that medical doctor that looks like you, that um, social service um, uh, person that looks like you, that um, politician that looks like you, that pseudo-intellectual that looks like you, all of these people that are telling you to take this um, this experimental vaccine that will rewrite your DNA, but it also rewrite your language of faith. Mm. We think about that. The strongest element in my community is our faith. And I had a long conversation with a pastor. I won't say his name because I might throw up all over my computer, but <laughs> he basically tried to rationalize why he was going to tell people to take the vaccine. And so I told him, I said, well, you know, I have to say this to you. I'm disappointed that we know each other, but you are now a war criminal. 
Wow. So, see, see, you see the reality? Without a license. Thank you. So, Lawrence, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in a place of love and a place of love for Christiana Uimani, but there's a stark reality out there. And everybody's trapped in fear. So I'm trying to say, listen, show the courage, you know, trust a little, you know, pay a little attention. You know, there's a bigger story here. There's a bigger play here. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to be that vessel at Urban Global Health Alliance to share that information with the world. And you are. And, you know, you said, you know, you're at a crossroads. But the bottom line is, Kevin, we are at a crossroads. Humanity's at a crossroads. And it, and I, I like how you distinguish that this is, again, I mean, all of your thing, this is like nothing we've ever experienced before. Humanity, I mean, even bringing in the peace around faith. I mean, there's never been a time in history, and you outlined that history of other events, where people have been asked to put God, you know, a, a, a medical vaccine, not a vaccine, over God. I mean, so there's never been a time where churches have closed. So there's so much goodness there. I'm really excited that we're going to be traveling to D.C. next week and really strengthening around some of the other people that are getting these messages out and just want to do a plug. And I'm going to let you close, Christian, that we have for the New Earth community right now, we're working behind the scenes on the Focus on Fauci event, which will be next Tuesday at this time, um, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And so you'll be seeing information coming out about that. If you're not on our mailing list, it's just uh, reclaimyourlives.com. We actually, you can register for the Fauci event. I'll put the link up. It's a, a yet another um uh, website, but the what it's going to do is bring together um, Robert Kennedy, David Martin, Judy Mikovich, and Ro- Rocco Galati. We're going to be uh, doing our version of a mock trial. So uh, the testimonies coming in from them, and then Sasha and Rocco um, having some conclusions about this. And again, it all ties into this conversation where we're headed, because when we look at it, we can see the links between all of these things. When you connect the dots and when you do wake up, it is overwhelming. I mean, because the, and I, I thought I was pretty awake, uh, but what, what I've come to integrate in the last, not even year has been far beyond what I even thought um, I was capable of. And I think all of you probably had many of your own wake up moments thinking that you were pretty, pretty conscious. So this has been, it's like, it's, uh, it's been disorienting and we are finding our way back to our center point, finding our way back to that sovereign space where we can trust ourselves and really, and, and that's really what it comes down to is like, coming home to ourself and finding our own inner light, our own divinity, and then being able to spread that out to the world. And one of the people that does that most every single day is you, Christiane, giving hope, giving inspiration, giving information to people on your live stream that you are dedicated to as this spiritual midwife, as this planetary doula birthing humanity right now, that that's our commitment and how we're showing up. And and Kevin and you and Larry, you're doing that too. I mean, we are coming together uh, in the masculine, in the feminine, as humans together to birth this new earth. So close us out, Christiane, with your words of wisdom. So we know that the presence of a doula, just a woman in the room, shortens labor by 50%. And then when the woman has delivered, she looks at the woman who supported her or the man and says, 
thank you, I couldn't have done it without you, except that she did the whole thing herself, except that she didn't. Because as we hold the template for the earth that is being birthed, we, that draws us forward. It's like this birthing energy that comes from within and it's going to happen and you're going to get there. And Larry and you and Kevin, we are holding the grid for the new earth. Labor is hard. It's painful. It's bloody. It's messy. But we're still holding the grid because we know it's going to be okay. It is going to be okay. And even for those who choose to go to the other side, they'll be helping us from the other side. Because once you get over there, you're like, really, you can see the big picture. Oh, I see. That's how, okay. I'll help you from over there. So in a way, I am enormously excited and hopeful for this birth that I have been midwifing. And so have all of you. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. I was so excited to have this conversation and the weave together all of your perspectives and wisdom. It's been incredible. There's a lot of people tuning in. I know this is going to go far and wide. This can be a seed that's going to be planted in the psyches, in the cells of many humans that are looking for insight, looking for answers, looking for hope. I know it was really intense, a lot of the information. And I think that, um, you know, we have to face that. Like you said, Larry, we, we have to come face to face with that. But I love ending on this place of hope for humanity, Christian, because none of us would be here if we didn't have this hope for humanity. This is exactly why we're showing up. And so I want to leave everyone with that sense of hope as we move into this new year for 2021, knowing that humanity is at this crossroads. It is up to us. And we're showing up and inviting each of you to do the same, linking arms, tune in, upcoming event, focus on Fauci on January 5th. There's a lot of things. I put our email list up there so you can tune in. Obviously, if you're not following Christiane, do that. I love that all of you are like here in my neighborhood in the East Coast of the States of the world. Like how incredible is that? And I can't wait for us to have an in-person uh, hug, not just these virtual ones, but um, what whatever you can do to reach out to people during this time to plant those seeds, I would definitely recommend doing it in the way that you outlined for us, Larry. That was freaking brilliant um really to not be those polar opposites but that south south polarization is uh is just such a such a great great idea so thank you for being on our platform it was such a pleasure to have you here and introduce you to our audience as always christian kevin i will be sending out the next one that we're going to be and the reason we didn't title this conversation somebody says why didn't you tell us what we're talking about i was like because if we did we would be censored so uh, part three is going to be coming up soon in the next week after our focus on Fauci event. So we got to keep a little bit of mystery and uh, you got to stay on your toes and stay curious. So lots of love, everyone. Happy New Year. And um, just take your light out into the world. Thank you all. <laughs>